for half a century, WJPZ Syracuse has been the greatest media classroom on the planet. We've trained students from the 1970s to the 2020s on how to run a professional radio station. But the lessons learned and relationships formed go far beyond studios and transmitters. Taking a look back through the eyes of those who experienced it. This is WJPZ at 50. Welcome to WJPZ at 50. I am John Jagay. Today's guest is somebody who has been on my wish list since we started this project. You won't find a better person in our alumni association. She has excelled in the radio field and has excelled at teaching and the values of WJPZ. No less than two alumni so far have said she was the first person they met when they walked into the radio station and were blown away. By the way, those two alumni are Dion Summers and Kid Michael Rock. BB Good, welcome to the podcast. Wow, I'm so honored to be here. Thank you for that amazing introduction. I, I hope I live up to it. <laughs> I don't think there's any way you couldn't, no pressure, but I mean, you're a rock star. I mean, I, you were the class of 93. I was the class of 02. When I was in school, like you were one of those alums that was like, wow, this is what you can accomplish if you do well here at WJPZ. And I know so many alumni hold you in such high regard, which is why I'm so thrilled to have you on the podcast. Thank you. I'm really glad to be here. You and I have a lot in common, including a home state of Massachusetts. So we'll start at the beginning. How did you find out about Syracuse and then get to the radio station? So I grew up in Quincy, Massachusetts, and I always liked radio. Probably you also listened to Kiss 108 growing up, right? Uh-huh. Yeah. So I loved Kiss 108. I listened to Dale Dorman and Sonny Joe White and Lady D. And I was very involved in my high school, like student government. But for student government meant like planning the activities and, you know, the school dances. And at some point I was listening to the radio and I heard Vinnie Peruzzi on Kiss 108 talk about how he was from Quincy. And I was like, oh, that's cool. So I, you know, dialed in on the, the number and I'm like, hi, Sharon Goodman. I'm from Quincy also. I went to Quincy. I'm at Quincy High. And we have a dance coming up. Would you be the DJ for our dance? Oh, wow. Right? Whatever it was. I'm sure it was months in advance. And I got came back. Oh, but Kiss 108 going to do our dance. Like, that's just some, you know, guy. And then... Like the week of the dance, he called me from California and he's like, listen, I just got on to some game show. I can't remember if it was like The Price is Right or like, oh, wow. or uh, what's the other one with it? You know, Vanna White. Wheel of Fortune. Wheel of Fortune. One of those. If I look it up, I could find it. He's like, so I'm not going to make it back for your dance. And I'm like, oh, no, I'm going to like, I've been selling this Kiss 108. He's like, but don't worry. I'm going to have another DJ coming. I'm thinking, oh, no. And he said, I'm going to send Lady D. And I was like, you what? Lady D like my idols. Anyway, Lady D, the real Diana Steele from Kiss 108, came and did this dance. And I was like, totally hooked. Like, I just, you know, probably stood right next to her the whole night, asked her a million questions and whatever. And so that was kind of what made me love radio, I guess, growing up listening to it. Mm -hmm. And then I heard about Syracuse. I knew there was like a radio and television program. And the interesting thing is I didn't even get into Newhouse initially. Okay. What did I get into? I guess like arts and sciences. Arts and sciences, VPA, probably one of those two. Yeah. And then I went to go, you know, find Professor Mason because I heard Professor Mason was the one who could help you get in. And I didn't quite have the GPA because you needed like a three five and I didn't have that. But I got to know him and I think he even let me like audit his, you know, COM 101 class or something. And anyway, somehow I talked my way into Newhouse and he was wonderful to me all my years there and had a great experience. There's a joke about talking your way into a communications school, but I love it. <laughs> <laughs> so you're on campus, you know, you're obviously focused on getting into Newhouse. How did you come upon WJPZ? 
So I initially I got to campus a little early because I was in the marching band. Okay. So I feel like I was very involved with marching band right at the beginning. So I don't remember exactly when I made it to the radio station, but I do remember like Hollywood Hal was one of the first people I met and mm -hmm. Scott Meach and Brian Lapis. And they were all like really friendly, kind of, you know, silly. And I thought, oh, this is a fun place, you know, and I really don't remember the progression of how it went, but I definitely started off being a DJ, you know, in the middle of the night, yep. two to four in the morning, four to six in the morning, and then kind of worked my way up. I did a little bit of news, which is really not my thing. And I definitely had some time when I was on the morning show, mm -hmm. you know, like John Beck, yep. you know, I remember doing stuff with John Beck and Steve, well, Steve Donovan was after me, so it couldn't have been Steve Donovan, although I have. He was two years behind you. He was 95, so you would have been at the same time. So that's very possible. Yeah. Yes. And Carl Weiser mm -hmm. and a bunch of these guys. And, you know, I feel like that was just like my hangout place, you know, between classes, whenever I wasn't doing other things, I was there, you know, right. My, my happy place. Calling it my happy place is just something that is echoed through 50 plus years of this radio station that I feel like so many of us have gone in and had that impression of, wow, this is like a real warm, welcoming environment. Why don't we come in? They're so inviting. Let me get involved with this place. And when I'm not in class, this is probably where I'm going to be. Absolutely. Absolutely. Anything else from your time at Z? Funny stories and other relationships you can think of? Um, well, yeah. I mean, I had so many friends, a big group of my friends came from there, like, you know, Dave Gorab and Beth Russell and Betty Keston and Jeannie Shad. And this is going to be the shout out show, by the way. So she told me before we started recording that she had notes. She didn't want to leave anybody else. So I don't want to get in your way. Continue. Yes, OK, well, I was, say, I was also Charlie Catron, Rob Catron did like, I think the Friday night party. And there was a bunch of us that would come in and you know, be his studio audience, I guess. I don't know. We weren't there for that. And Brian Lapis, Lippy was just great. I feel like he was like the the DJ coordinator or whatever. Okay. You know, used to sit down with, with me and give me like air check reviews and that kind of thing, which was helpful. Yeah. Oh, and Tina Mussolino, she mm -hmm. said she said she remembers me training her. I said, I can't even believe that. But uh, when I saw her at the banquet, she was reminding me of that. And now she's a professor. At Newhouse, Tina Perkins, and she has edited a few of these podcasts for me. She's wow. wonderful. Tina, now Tina Perkins, that's for sure. So impressive. Yeah. There was Melanie Kushner, who was a friend of mine from a couple of years behind. And at one point, she organized a trip and we went up to Canada because her dad was like Celine Dion's manager. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. We went to go see a Celine Dion concert and she brought us backstage and Celine Dion comes out and goes, oh, Melanie. And she's like, like, it's like her kid, you know? Oh, wow. So that was a pretty impressive time and a fun trip. Yeah, there are just so many, so many wonderful people that I got the chance to interact with at Z89. It's like a long time ago, old memories, but great memories, you know? It feels like 30 years ago and 30 seconds ago at the same time, I bet. Yeah, really. And it is 30 years. That's the crazy thing. When we were at the, the banquet, Dion said, stop counting the years. Stop counting the years. <laughs> just enjoy it. Gosh, it was so long ago, you know? I'm I'm smiling almost as much talking to you as I was talking to Dion. And Dion talked about that first night getting to the radio station and seeing you doing nights and a whirlwind and phone calls and getting your carts and your and your and everything ready and being so blown away and impressed by you. And it was like, this is where I need to be. Wow. Thank you. Thank you. It's interesting too how the technology moved along, you know, yeah. like 
we only had carts and then it became CDs. Like we just worked with what we had and it was great. But by the time I sort of finished my career in radio, like I wasn't even touching CDs anymore. It was just buttons on computers, you know, but was still editing, you know, with Vox Pro. Yep. Yeah, I, just, I, I had pretty fast fingers on the Vox Pro. Oh, yeah, that be, you, you can make you can play that thing like a guitar when you get it going right. So yeah. you're transitioning me perfectly, BB, to ask you about your career after Syracuse. Um, there are stories of alumni visiting you in Utica when you were on the air. Stacey Simmons talked about living with you at one point. Yeah. Take me through your journey after uh, Syracuse. So I actually started working at Rock 107 in Utica, and I worked for this great guy named JR who ended up working in Attleboro, Massachusetts. And I know Mike Rock worked for him for a long time. And I was doing like weekends and while I was still in school. And at some point, the night guy left. Okay. And they offered me the night show for like a pathetic amount of money, which I'm not even going to say on the radio if I can even remember it. And I looked <laughs> to my parents and I said, oh my gosh, I got offered this full-time job. And I'm, they're like, no, 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 you have to finish, get your degree, then you can go take this job. And so the amazing thing is they saved the job for me. Like they put in people and I did some, you know, when I had days off or I had shifts, I couldn't cover, I covered, but they basically saved the job. And as soon as I graduated in May, like I moved right to Utica and this night job was waiting for me. And we used to do this crazy thing. We did like the, you know, top five at nine or something. And, you know, it was like they're calculated. uh, What was it? Hold on a second. Calculated, tabulated, yeah, something tabulated, like that. Yeah, calculated, calculated, whatever. And it, here it is. And then we gave away BB freebies and we did like all this fun stuff. And so that was amazing. It was also the first job that I got fired from when they closed the radio station or changed the format or something. Right. And I also made some amazing friends there, like Bill Keeler, who I ended up working with other times in my career. He was the morning guy there. Yeah, I lived with Stacy Sims. She was amazing, wonderful roommate. And she actually met her husband in Utica, who she, yep. you know, very happily married to, thank God. I mean, I think part of the reason why I had a good success in Utica was like every listener was my friend. And every time I went and did any event, like listeners would come up to me and be like, remember, I'm so-and-so, you know, I called you. Oh, yeah. And so I honestly felt like the reason why it was successful was because all my friends were listening and then they'd all come out to events. And, you know, so the listeners became like my crew, you know, you can see that in a small market yes. sometimes. And that's such a great lesson that we've taught DJs for 50 years of JPZ is you're not talking to, hey, all of you out there in radio land, you're talking to that one person listening. And that's how you develop that relationship and that friendship. It's sometimes a lost art. So I'm really glad to hear you say that. Yeah, it was a really good training ground after Z89 for me. And it was also really um Gosh, like, you know, going through the process of the station changing hands or whatever that caused us all to lose our jobs also was, you know, good training for me. And I ended up kind of working my way back to Boston. So I went from Rock 107 to Fly 92 in Albany, where we would qualify to win. I also, my crazy memory from Fly 92 is I was working like overnights there. So I got into the station, you know, a couple hours early to get prepped and whatever. And I was sitting in like, I don't know, the DJ office or the conference room or something and a TV in there. And I watched the OJ Simpson, um, you know. The Ford Bronco chase. Yes. That, wow. So that's, that's my memory of Black 92. I think that's 94, if memory serves. 1994. I think. Right. And then I went from there. I worked in Hartford at 
Kiss 95.7, maybe? That's right. Yeah, Kiss 95.7, yeah. Okay, J. Bo Jones. And I think I had what to do with Lippy and, you know, Brian Lapis when I was there. Worked with really nice, fun people. They gave me a nice opportunity. There's more call letters on my resume. And then I ended up in Kicks 106 in North Attleboro and then made my way to Jam in 94.5 in Boston and worked for legendary people, Cadillac Jack McCartney and Baltazar and Ralphie Marino. And I think by then Lady D was there. I got the chance to actually work with Lady D, which was like, wow, you know. There you are. You're at Jam and you're working at your hometown radio station in, in Boston. That's amazing. Yeah. But I was working like crazy overnight shifts on the weekends. It wasn't, you know, wasn't a full-time gig. And I really felt like here I am, I'm a few years out of college. I should be, I should be working, you know? Mm -hmm. And I was somewhere, I think like on the T going into some event in Boston. And I saw Mickey Mouse ears and an ad and it said like coming soon, you know, it was very like covert, but I don't know if it even said Radio Disney or just, you know, something coming soon. Okay. And then I found out there was a place to send like a blind box or whatever you call it, mm -hmm. you know, the, the tape and the resume. And lo and behold, it went to Dallas. And then I got a call from the amazing Robin Jones, who ran Radio Disney. Mm -hmm. And she invited me out to Dallas to come and check this out. You weren't even 30 at this point, right? Right. I moved out here in 98. So, yeah. God, you were still in your 20s and you get this big opportunity to go to Radio Disney in Dallas. That's amazing. Yeah, it was incredible. And so I moved out here. I did the midday show for Robin and worked with just amazing, amazing people. But it was it was now a radio station like in Rock 107 was like a little studio in a house down like a dirt road, you know, and right. This is like a big, tall office building in Dallas, you know, in half the building. It doesn't even exist anymore, by the way. Half the building was all offices and half the building was all radio studios. Like Tom Joyner was there. And oh, wow. Yeah. I mean, just anybody you could think of that worked for ABC in Dallas was in this building. And every day there were artists in the lobby and it was just like a crazy environment to work in. But in a little, you know, office, you know, a little studio in an office building. I'm dying to ask you how your on-air content would have changed going from a rock station to Radio Disney. Was there much change? Well, you know, I had, you know, my cute BB Good name, like Fit Disney along the way. Yeah. And even though it was Rock Station, it wasn't really rock. It was like, it was kind of mislabeled. Like Rock 107 was really a top 40 radio station. Okay. You know, I'm trying to think of like who we were playing. Not that I have you pegged as a Howard Stern type. So you weren't going from like, you know, uh, the Swedish bikini team to Mickey Mouse. Yeah. It wasn't that much of a discrepancy for you. Yeah. You know, I, I feel like I was pretty, you know, PG all along, you know, mm -hmm. but don't go back and listen to my morning show tapes with Bill Keeler. Um, so, <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, I felt like Disney was a natural fit for me, you know, just in how sort of I carry myself. I know Steve Donovan was a, a little proud of the fact that he had the most uh, curses on his show. There'll be no cursing today. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't expect that out of you. So so you're at Radio Disney and that opens you up into the opportunities of the wide world of Disney, right? Right. So first of all, I got to do amazing things and so many incredible interviews and just working with an incredible staff. And there were these two guys named Just Plain Mark and Zippy, and they did okay. the afternoon show from Walt Disney World. 
And at some point in that first year, there was all this talk that they were going to open up a studio out in California at Disneyland. So I'm hearing all these rumors, whatever, that they're going to be moving them. And suddenly one day I get called into my boss's office and they said, so we want to move you to Walt Disney World. And I said, whoa, this is cool, you know? Yeah. And so my fiance at the time, my now husband, almost 25 years later, Charles, said, okay, let's go, you know? And so we moved and that was like March, April, May-ish of 99. Mm -hmm. And I spent the next five years doing my show from inside Disney MGM Studios at Walt Disney World. Wow. Which was like a dream. Yep, I'm going to Disney World. Yeah, I'm just going to work, but I'm going there every day. That's amazing. Right. I had to kind of pinch myself sometimes and say like, look, I get to go where people work all year long to go on vacation. I get to go here every day, you know? Right. And the question everybody always asks, like, you know, could you go for free? Yes, I had this like silver pass. <laughs> well, I could use or my husband could use and we could bring in three guests every day. And no, I don't still have it. That's the other question. <laughs> Can you still go? You know, but yeah, it was amazing. Like driving up to Disney World every day, going into the studio. And I used to call it my fishbowl because I was encased in glass and kids would come up to the window every day. So every day I would meet families. I would meet kids who some of them had sent me letters. I'm coming to Walt Disney World. I'm coming to see you. Oh, wow. And I said, those years that I was at Walt Disney World, I was probably on way more refrigerators than I could ever imagine. Oh, <laughs> you know, smiling and handing out little prizes and stuff. But, you know, back in the day where you took the real photo, not just on a phone. And I got to meet kids from all over the world. And I got to do a lot of incredible things with like make a wish and give kids the world. I got to meet some incredible families. I got to interview movie stars and sports figures and singers and just everybody from, you know, Julie Andrews to Britney Spears to NSYNC to the kid from Jerry Maguire, like anybody you can think of. I'm doing the math. And if I, my timeline is right, you're at Disney World as Britney and Justin have been Mouseketeers. And now they're really hitting it big as pop stars with the late 90s there with NSYNC and Britney and Christina and all that. Yeah. I mean, to have those folks on your show, they were as big as it gets at that time. They weren't even that big yet. They were becoming big. Like I remember interviewing Britney Spears and she walked in and I was like, wow, it's so cool to have you here. And she's like, oh, I'm just a Southern girl singing, you know, whatever. And I was like, okay, you know, <laughs> yeah. I actually, I have memories of interviewing the guys from NSYNC and being really frustrated with that guy, Chris, because he wouldn't stop talking, kept talking over everybody. I thought, how am I going to edit this, you know? <laughs> and uh, it actually turned out where we lived. We lived about, 15, 20 minutes away from Walt Disney World in a place called Dr. Phillips, Florida. Okay. We only lived like not far away from Joey Fatone from okay. NSYNC. So yeah. now and again, I'd like see him out and around and be like, hey, Joe, you know, my buddy from NSYNC. Part of the family, part of the big Disney family, right? Right. And our oldest daughter just turned 22. And I believe he has a daughter that's born like within a couple of weeks of my daughter, because I feel like I was on maternity leave and then I was reading in the, you know, the teeny bopper, you know, magazines that Joey Fatone had a baby at the same time. It's called show prep, boys and girls. <laughs> yes. Back before the Internet. Right. You yeah. Know? When you had to read hard copies of things. Exactly. Exactly. Right. Speaking of before the Internet, too, I have, which I received years after I finished at Radio Disney, some scrapbooks full of handwritten letters from kids. Oh, wow. Because 
before even email and before now texting and all that, kids would send me actual letters at Walt Disney World and they would send letters after they'd visited with photos because I guess we must have had like a P.O. box or something they could write to. And along the way, I had these wonderful people that I worked with, producers and phone screeners and stuff. And when they were not busy answering phones, they would take these letters and put them in scrapbooks. And I'd forgotten about them. And then years after I stopped working for Radio Disney and they were closing the offices here in Dallas, I got a call from one of my friends, one of the producers, and he said, you know, we're cleaning out these rooms here. and We found this box of stuff from Orlando. Do you want it? And I said, OK. And I was so thrilled. I said yes, because it was so much fun and so much fun for me to look at these letters and these notes with my kids who were at the time, probably the ages of those kids that had been writing to me, which was just super fun. Radio Disney, was it on, was it national or worldwide at that point that you were on? It was probably national. National, okay. And it used to be on mostly AM radio stations, mm-hmm. but by the end it was on the internet on radiodisney.com and it was, remember there was like a TV channel that was like music videos, not MTV or VH1, yeah. but like something else. Mm-hmm. I think we had one of those channels and all I know is when I started, we were like 15, 16 AM stations and by the time I left, you know, 10 years later, it was 30 plus stations and on the internet and just, you know, I do remember at one point getting like a call in the middle of the day on the toll free number from people in Glasgow, Scotland. Oh, wow. And they're like, yeah, we're listening. Can you play a song for us? And I thought they were teasing me and they're like, no. And they're telling me stuff about where they're calling from in Scotland. They must have been listening like online. I don't know. So how long were you in Orlando? I was in Orlando for five years. Okay. Our oldest daughter was born there and our second daughter uh, was born there. And I used to call them my $10 Disney babies because we had such good health insurance. It was one $10 copayment. And then that's it. I don't think that's something you'd find too often these days at this point in the world of health insurance. Wow. That's cool. And when we left, Shira was three and Mm -hmm. Rebecca was one and a half. And I was very pregnant with my son, David, and at the time, not happy at all about having to come back to Dallas. So they closed the studio. Is that why you came back to Dallas? They had gone through some changes out at Disneyland. And first they closed that studio. And then they decided they wanted to just sort of bring the team back to Dallas And the interesting thing was every year I'd come back to Dallas for meetings. And I remember coming into one of the meetings and I knew I was pregnant with my son, but I wasn't saying anything yet. And I'm like prepared with all the Look at all the good things I'm doing at Walt Disney World and all these people I'm interviewing. I'm getting, you know, I'm showing them how great we are and what wonderful people I'm working with. And they listened very nicely. And then they said, "Okay, so we're closing the studio. We're bringing you back to Dallas. And I'm like, (sighs) come again. And the crazy thing was it hit me like. I don't know, like a ton of bricks, whatever. Yeah. I, I, had, I did not see this coming at all. My husband had just started nursing school. He had a second career. I was pregnant with my son, but no one knew yet. I thought, who's going to hire a pregnant DJ, right? And I had two little kids. And we, had, we owned a home in Orlando. I thought, oh my gosh, we have to sell our house. Anyway, it all worked out. But needless to say, I uh, had a lot of conversations with God over those times. Like, what are you doing to me? Yeah. But 20 something years or how many years now? We're 19 years almost in Dallas. I'm so grateful to be here. I love Dallas. I love living here. It was a good move. So was it still Radio Disney that you worked for in Dallas or would you, or what happened after you moved out to Dallas? They, just, they moved your job. I basically came back to the job I left. So I went back to that, you know, beautiful office building in Dallas. And I don't remember exactly how we carried it off on the air. 
other than to just say I was back in my, oh, I think at that point, at some point they had us like sort of acting, you know, as big sisters, camp counselors, babysitters, whatever. So at some point I was BB good in the tree house. I had a tree house or something, you know, it was all like clear of mine. We went through a couple different changes, you know. So how long were you at uh, Radio Disney back in Dallas once you headed back to Dallas? Another four years. Mm -hmm. And it's interesting. They had given me like a contract for two years with a, you know, chance of a year extension. And in my head, when I got back here, I'm like, we're here for two years and then we're leaving. We're going Hollywood, New York City, back to Boston. I don't know. Dallas. What are we doing in Dallas? And sure enough, two years became three years. Three years became four years. And at that point, there was talk about moving Radio Disney out to California, Mm -hmm. to Burbank, to the um, Disney Channel building. And I should have seen the writing on the wall as a lot of my bosses were being changed out for new bosses, but I was a little clueless. And at some point I went in for a meeting with one of the new bosses and they said, you know, we love you. You're great, but we're not renewing your contract. And in two months, you're going to be, you know, out on the street. And I was like, oh, but wait, I'm, I'm, I'm not replaceable. I'm going to be good, you know. But at that point in my life, I had a two-year-old, a four-year-old, a six-year-old and an eight-year-old. My husband had finished nursing school, so he was gainfully employed, thank God. And, you know, it was a time to sort of take a break, make a new path. It's funny because I sent these out to all the people that I had worked with. If you can see, it's a little plastic boot. It's a cowboy boot, yep. A cowboy boot. And I sent this out thinking I was going to keep working. Radio Disney gave me the boot, but there's still work to do, you know, whatever. Brilliant. here, Yeah, and I mailed out probably... 50 of these to all my radio friends and record friends. But I think there were other plans for me. So I was uh, busy being a stay-at-home mom, very involved in my community and my kids' schools and doing a lot of volunteer work for a while. And actually, my youngest daughter is 16. So she got her driver's license this past year. So I finally, after 20 years, retired from doing carpool. <laughs> That's pretty awesome. That's funny. It's WJPZ at 50. Hey, it's Jag. You're probably listening to this episode of the podcast because you know the person I'm interviewing. But one of the true joys of this project has been learning the stories of everyone in the WJPZ family. When you're done with this podcast, I'd encourage you to check out an episode with someone you don't know. You never know what you might have in common with your other WJPZ relatives. Looking back at half a century of broadcast excellence. This is WJPZ at 50. If you're comfortable talking about it, I wanted to ask you, because I know faith and religion is a a big part of your life at this point. Did that kind of go hand in hand with the decision to be a stay-at-home mom after the Disney stuff ended? Um, No, I would say that was already happening. So I met my husband, Charles, actually, at Syracuse Mm -hmm. at a Shabbat dinner. Neither of us were at all religious, but just, you know, was a place to go. We dated a little bit and then we sort of went our separate ways for seven years. We got back together as I was being hired by Disney and being brought out to Dallas. Okay. So what I left out before was that we got engaged to get married and then Disney's like, okay, let's go to Dallas. And I was like, well, wait, I I can't go to Dallas. I just got engaged and my husband, my fiance has a job here. And my wonderful, wonderful husband said, no, let's go. I'll find a job. Like, let's just go. He was working in Boston with you at that point? Um, He was in New York. I was in Boston. Okay. Kind of like, you know, the Northeast thing. But yep. he had a good gig. And um, 
he focused on my career, which was amazing. So he moved out to Dallas. And actually in Dallas, we got very connected with the Jewish community here. There were some really charismatic rabbis that said, boom, new blood, new, new customers <laughs> here, you know? And the more we, you know, got friendly with these rabbis and these different organizations, the more I, for one, felt like this is really how I want to live my life. And mm-hmm. so I'm very grateful, you know, we've been able to give our kids a Jewish day school education. Our oldest daughter is married, living in Israel right now. Our son-in-law is actually in school to become a rabbi. Wow. I'll be able to say my son-in-law, the rabbi. How wonderful. Every Jewish mother's dream. Look at that. Right, right. So yeah, you know, it's, we're Sabbath observant. So, you know, I guess it will be a little difficult to work in a radio gig where I'd be like, oh, sorry, can't do that on Saturday. You know, I'm, I'm busy. Can't, I can't spend Saturday afternoon at a car dealer giving away free pizza. I've got other things to do. Exactly, exactly. But I, I have found, for me, I like to say I'm passionately Jewish. My passion for living a Jewish life has really centered me in a way that I probably wasn't before this, you know? And I'm actually working for an Israeli organization now, too, which is, you know, interesting. So really? Yeah. I recently started working for an organization called Israel 365. I am helping them start a branch here in Dallas. It's partially a media company, which is incredible because that kind of, you know, yeah, fits with what I do. But a lot of my job here is basically making friends with people of different faiths who support Israel and want to have education and events. And, you know, I get paid to go out and go out for coffee with people and make friends. So got to love that. Which is perfect for your personality, I've got to say. (laughs) Before I forget, I want to ask you about the bee. You were the bee in the cartoon for Disney too, right? I don't want to forget to ask you about that. Sure. So, I mean, you know, my nickname, Be Good, came from my maiden name being Goodman. Right. And I always heard you wanted to have three syllables, you know, listen to who we grew up listening to, right? Lady D, uh, J.J. Wright. Dale Dorman. Ed McMahon, right? Yeah. Dale Dorman. So I knew it had to be three syllables. So I went with Be Good. And it's funny, when I went to go work for Jammin 94.5 in Boston, Cadillac Jack sat me down and he said, okay, we got to think of a different name for you. And he came up with some like, very urban name. And I was like, yeah, I don't think so. Let me be be, be good. This is who I am. <laughs> so yeah. And then for Disney, it fit perfectly, like be good, you know. And when Radio Disney got connected with Disney Channel, they animated my voice because the first two hours of the show I did was called Mickey and Minnie's Toon Time. And then it, it actually became Playhouse Disney before I finished working for the company. But in kind of partnership, doing things with the Disney Channel, they had me sort of introducing different songs and shows and things. So it was, that's how I got animated. I think you might be the first guest I've had on the podcast that has had an animated version of themselves. That's pretty cool. And my friend John Beck got me a little speaking role on um, According to Jim. Oh, really? So this is a great story. I have to tell you this story. Please. Okay? John says, we need you to voice a few lines for the show. And I said, great. And, okay. And you just met my daughter, Rebecca, a few minutes ago, who's 20. Okay. So I did the voice recording, you know, whatever. And they had me filling out a bunch of contracts. I'm literally filling out these contracts in my car outside like a post office, et cetera, while I'm having contractions to give birth to Rebecca. Wow. Okay. Filled this out, then went to the hospital, had the baby. (laughs) Okay. I got paid something. I'm going to guess like six, seven hundred dollars for these few lines. I'm like, hey, this is great. The funny thing is I still get checks 20 years later. 
from that one line or two lines on the show. Now, granted, the checks now are like seven or eight bucks, but I have over 20 years got checks from that one line on According to Jim. The syndication royalties. Oh my gosh. It's amazing. I'm like, John, I called John, can you give me a few more lines on some shows? Man, this is great though. The, the money's just rolling in. He's like, maybe it's like five bucks. I'm like, I know, I'm buying Starbucks on you this week, you know? <laughs> what was the role? It's actually very funny. The character who played, I think, Jim's brother or Jim's brother-in-law, it was his birthday. And they wanted me to be like, Speedy Good on Radio Disney. And we've got to say happy birthday to so-and-so and so-and-so. And let's say his name was Tom. And I said, and Tim, you know, and Tom, I called you, you know, it was like the joke was that uh, the DJ messed up his name and that he's an adult wanting to hear himself on, you know, the kids station hearing a happy birthday shout out. It was very cute. That's funny. Any other uh, stories or, uh, you know, interactions with alumni or stuff that comes to mind that we haven't covered at this point? Definitely a lot of people along the way that I got the chance to meet and Especially being at Walt Disney World, there were two other radio studios next to where I was. So very often radio stations would come in and be broadcasting next door or if there was a big event. So because of that, I would get to see radio friends from time to time, which was really nice. So starting out at Syracuse, at WJPZ, as you think back, what were some of the lessons that you learned, BB, that served you well in your radio career and life in general that you learned at, in your time at the radio station? Um, I think one of them you hit on a little bit before, talking to one person. We're not talking to a big group. We're talking to one person, having a conversation. And the person you're talking to is your friend, someone you like, they like you, like you have a lot in common. So I learned that. I definitely think I learned Maybe I knew it before, but being curious, which I think has helped me tremendously in my career and in my life, just trying not to draw conclusions about people or or events or whatever, and just being curious. And that's, you know, helped me throughout my life and throughout my career. I definitely think being prepared, whether it's being prepared for an interview or a show or whatever helps me, it helped me then helps me now. I also, I had this great boss that I worked for at Radio Disney. His name was Dan Pierman, Mm -hmm. such a sweet, sweet man. And he, at one point said to me, "Um, I wish I had a whole staff of BB Goods because isn't that great? He said, you always, whenever you come to me with an issue or a problem, you've already thought through some solutions before you walk in my office. And I I thought to myself, doesn't everybody do that? Like, (laughs) nope. I don't know. I guess not, but... Yeah. And he was just a pleasure to work for. He was a pleasure to work for in Dallas. And he was a pleasure to work for when I was in Orlando, only speaking to him on the phone for months at a time. I also had some really good experiences like visiting either people from, you know, Z89 when I was starting out or radio people. You know, like I remember Rocco being so nice when he worked at Hot 97. Yeah. And me coming home to New York City sometimes, I guess, like looking to try and find work and he was super nice. And somehow I got connected with some of the DJs at WPLJ. And I remember like meeting Scott Shannon and him being, you know, just so lovely and AJ Hammer and Todd Pettengill and Christy Weimer and just some of these people that, you know, were legends in radio, you know. At some point I got to meet Jojo Cook and Kincaid. That was like dream come true, you know. Big name. Yeah. So I'm grateful for my experiences, you know. 
I'm really grateful. And, and I want to speak on behalf of the Alumni Association, BB, when I say it was so wonderful to have you back in Syracuse this year and so great to see you and just and, and give you a big hug in person. Like it was it was I'm so glad to have you back in the fold this year. I know there are so many alumni who look to you as something to aspire to with what you've done in your career, and just the person that you are and also paying it forward. So thank you for coming back to Syracuse and thank you for doing this podcast. It's because of you I was there. If you didn't do these podcasts, I probably would have just been watching from the outside looking in because you have put so many hours and so much effort and creativity and preparation into this. And it's so appreciated. And, you know, hearing my friend Steve Donovan, I think that was the first one I listened to. And I thought, gosh, I miss these people. I want to see these people again. So I am truly grateful that you did this. And Hopefully we'll be together again next year. And I will say, uh, when you told me that in Syracuse, I, I got a little choked up when you told me that in person, that, that the podcast meant that much. And it's been such a joy to do this podcast. And as many hours as I've put into it, I've gotten more out of it. These connections and this family that if you're not part of this group, there's almost no way to explain it to somebody what this family is through now six decades of this radio station. And what we have is so truly special. And I thank you for being a part of that. Thank you. Before I let you go, the Jonas Brothers may or may not have done a song about you. What's the story here? Okay, so after I stopped working for Radio Disney, I don't know how much after that time, but I stopped working back in 2008. I got a call from my boss, Dan Pierman, and he said, have you heard the new Jonas Brothers song? And I probably said, no, I'm just, I've cut all that out of my life. I'm focusing on my kids now. He said, because the song is called Be Be Good. And I'm like, come on. So of course I went online and found it. And they referred to BB Good as a she. She's got a BB Good to me and BB Good to you. And I thought, hmm. And I had interviewed the Jonas Brothers shortly before I stopped working for Radio Disney. So if any of my radio friends are connected to the Jonas Brothers and can find out, I would love to know if I had anything to do with that song. And we should all call into our favorite radio stations and request it so it becomes very popular. <laughs> we'll link to the song in the show notes. And if somebody listening can make that connection and figure that out, let's get on that and do BB Good a solid. Thank you. This was so much fun. The WJPZ at 50 podcast is created entirely by the staff and alumni of the world's greatest media classroom. It's hosted by John Jag Gay, class of 2002. Editing help from James Bames Grundy III, class of 2020. Imaging by Maureen Cooper, class of 1999. And Ed Lacombe, class of 1985. Podcast artwork by Marty Dundix, class of 2001. Follow WJPZ at 50 on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, or wherever you're listening right now.